Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. All right, well, it is great to be back with you guys again. Uh, last week, Amber and I were not here. We were uh, up at my dad's church in Onekama. Uh, it, uh, he was retiring, and so this was his very last Sunday before retirement. So it was a really special time to, to be able to, to be with him and share time of Christmas with him. But uh, we are excited. We're happy to be back at home here in Vandalia. And we are kicking off a brand new series that we'll be going through throughout the month of January called Joy Wins. Right? So called Joy Wins. And so the question we need to ask as we launch into this series is why are we doing a series on joy? Right? Why, why is it important? Well, the reality is, guys, we are in desperate need of joy in our world right now. Some research conducted at the Institute of Neuroscience and Psychology at Glasgow suggests that there are really only four foundational emotions, three of which are negative emotions of fear, anger, and sadness. And the only positive emotion on their list is joy or happiness. And so what that means, what that tells me, is if we don't consciously cultivate joy in our lives, we risk living a life that is dominated by the other three. Dominated by fear. Dominated by anger. Dominated by sadness. And just to pull back the, the curtain a little bit, uh, news companies, people that print newspapers and CNN and Fox and Facebook and Twitter, they make money by creating fear and sadness and anger, all right? And so we are consistently bombarded with these things. Oh, the, the sky is falling. Everything is going to hell in a handbasket. Can I say that from the pulpit? I don't know. Uh, I, uh, and so we are encouraged, right, to, to live in fear because then we pay for the, the newspaper so we know what we're supposed to be afraid of. Right? But we live in the kingdom. And yes, there are bad things happening. We know that. We're not blind to that reality. But we hold on to a bigger truth that Jesus is actually still on the throne. And Jesus isn't worried. Jesus isn't afraid about how everything is going to play out. And Jesus is a bringer of joy. Right? And so we want to live out of that same place. And according to Dr. James Wilder in a book called Joy Starts Here, he says that joy helps our brain grow better than any health food. That's good. Joy reduces stress. Joy has more social impact than looking sexy. Right? That's uh, it's a quote. So it took me a while to figure out what he meant by that. What I'm, my interpretation is that if you want to be well-liked, being a joyful person is actually better than being sexy. I do both. Uh, so, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, joy improves our immune system more than exercise. Uh, Joy protects marriages. Joy raises brighter, more resilient children. Joy improves resiliency after disasters. 
and joy spreads to transform lives. Right? So joy is very significant. It's something that we want to step into. And as Christ followers, we actually are called to be bringers of joy to the world as we follow our Savior. Right? We just came out of the Advent and the Christmas season, but, and we read this a couple weeks ago from Luke chapter 2. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Right? The church should be a generator of joy. We should be bringers of joy into every dark place or every good place where we go. But I don't think many people are accusing the church today of being overly joyful. Right? And so that's why we just want to talk about it a little bit. And in Romans, Paul says to the, the church there, he says, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Living lives of joy or dispositions of joy, right? That is foundational to kingdom living. But in the face of darkness and pain and confusion in our world, right, sometimes it actually feels foolish or it even feels wrong for us to choose joy, right? When there's wars happening, uh, you know, people are being sold into slavery, people are being oppressed, people are being martyred, just there's challenge upon challenge. Man, it feels foolish, right, to, to be joyful in that time. But in the face of these realities, we need joy even more. Right? We see in the, the prophet Isaiah says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Right? In the darkness, a light rises. Right? Isaiah and uh, Luke, when he alludes to, to that uh, prophecy, isn't denying that the world is tough. Right? Even Jesus says, hey, in this world you will have troubles. Right? And he knew why he came. He knew what was facing him. It was the cross. Right? And yet, in the face of the difficulty, in the face of problems, we are called to be a people of joy and to be connected with the generator of joy, which is Father God. So if we want to see our world transformed, we will fulfill our mandate to follow Jesus and be joy bringers. So the question that we need to answer here uh, as we begin this series is, what is joy? Right? What even is joy? It's, it's shockingly difficult to uh, define, and I read a lot of definitions uh, from various, you know, I read Merriam-Webster, and I read multiple uh, Bible dictionaries that I have, and different things I have, and I agreed with about 50% of about 50% of them, right? And so, not that I'm smarter than these brilliant people, but, but like, it's just challenging to identify, because is it happiness? Not quite, but it's real close. Is it delight? Yeah, but there's more to it. It's deeper and it's stronger than that. And what I love about Dr. Wilder in his book, Joy Starts Here, is that he says that joy is always relational. Joy is always relational. His definition of it is the experience 
of being in the presence of people that love you. Joy is the experience of being in the presence of people that love you. And so what we're going to look at today is that it's our relational connection with God the Father and Jesus Christ in our relational connection with other living people that we can touch and spend time with. Those are the bringers of joy. That is how we experience joy in our lives. We just had Christmas, and Christmas is always a, a fun time. It's a time of joy, right? And uh, one of the things that I wanted was a sound bar for my television. We got this great television. It's real big. It was real big and real cheap. It was great. And, but the sound was real bad. It was a bit, and so I was like, oh, I, I need... I was happy with the size so I could watch Star Wars. It was very clear, HD. It was great. But it just sounded kind of tinny, and I was like, oh... I'm almost happy, but not quite. I'll be fully happy, right, once in, in spoiler alert, I actually knew that I was getting a soundbar because I said, Mom, this is the one that I want. It just, just, just put this into Amazon, it's fine. And so I knew that it was sitting under the tree. Uh, and so I was waiting for it, I was very excited. Uh, and I got, the, I got the soundbar and I was really happy. And it sounds really good and it's great. But when I look back at Christmas, the thing that brings me joy and that is still actually sustaining me from that, that time, is when we sat around the table with my little brother and his daughter, and we played Christmas bingo, which we do every year for these. We just play bingo. When you get a bingo, you get to pick a piece of garbage out of the center, center of the table. No offense, Mom. It's great stuff. Some good stuff. There's, there's, sorry, Mom. There's some good stuff and some just stuff that's collected there. It's very good. There was Starbucks gift cards this year, which was great. Sorry, Mom. Uh, but it was, and it wasn't the stuff, my point is it wasn't the stuff that we were getting, right? It was that we were joking and we were laughing and that we were having a good time because we were surrounded by people that care about us, that love me, right? And it's the same thing when I come down here on Sunday mornings or midweek and I get to spend time with you people, it brings me joy because I know you guys like me. Well, most of you guys like me. There might be a couple. We'll see, right? And, but I'm, it's, I'm happy because I like you, you like me, we're a happy family. <laughs> Barney. Okay, sorry, I'm way off my notes. Get back. Joy is relational. Okay, so, it's, so joy is found in relationship with people. So imagine uh, like this four-year-old girl, and she's sitting at this campfire, and she's toasting a, a marshmallow, right? And she's happy, right? Probably just the sugar in the, in the marshmallow makes her happy. Uh, and around the fire, right, there is all these smiling faces and these caring eyes, right? And she is feeling love and joy and happiness because of the, the relationships. But what if suddenly, right, she starts to fall backwards into the fire? Right? All of a sudden, the happiness is gone. She's not happy, she's scared. But her father rushes forward to, to grab her, and be, before she can fall in, he wraps her in his arms and pulls, him, uh, or pulls her close to him. She wraps her arms around his neck, and she's scared, and she begins crying. Right? The happiness is gone. But the joy remains. 
Right? There's still joy because dad is there. Dad is eager uh, to, to be with her and to keep her safe. Joy is often found together with happiness. But happiness, uh, but, or, but joy is actually deeper. Right? And it can exist in good times and it can exist in bad times. I believe it is always found in relationships with others. And joy is synonymous very, very often with happiness, right? And that's just a reality. So I think that Christians too often try to separate joy and happiness, right? Like there, like there is joy without happiness, but that is the exception, right? That should be the exception. It's not our goal, right? As Christ followers, we aren't called to sad rejoicing. Oh, you know, it's hard today. I'm just like, how do you do the two at the same time? You can't do it, right? And so there are highs and lows in life, right? But this disposition of, of joy in our lives will see us through it. And when the, the two, when joy and happiness are differentiated, like I said, the, the joy is, is deeper. It's actually more durable. And it's more than just the fleeting emotion of getting the great sound bar, right? But it's grounded in something that is bigger. It, you know, it is bigger than just our circumstances that we are encountering. Proverbs 10.28 says, The hope of the righteous brings joy. Right? We have an eternal hope. Right? We know that Jesus defeated the devil. We know that he uh, defeated sin and death. And we know that he is coming back to set all things right again. Right? And so in the midst of chaos, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of difficulty, we hold on to hope. And that hope brings joy because we know it's going to be okay. Right? And so that hope, that bigger picture allows us to get through even the difficult times. Jesus, we see in Hebrews 12, uh, 1 and 2, right? It says, you know, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, right? The pain of the cross didn't eliminate joy, right? He wasn't happy. We can see that in the, in the gospel stories, right? But that joy got him through this incredibly challenging situation. Another definition of joy that I actually liked completely, even though they kind of left out the relational part of it, is this. He says, joy is a buoyant sense of well-being, intense satisfaction, and exultant delight that naturally expresses itself in laughter, song, gratitude, large-heartedness, and generosity. And it is obviously highly desirable. Come on, like that is what we want. That is what Jesus came to bring. And this is this disposition of life that we can ground ourselves in and that we can pour out in every place that we go. Joy is a buoyant sense of well-being, intense satisfaction, and exultant delight that naturally expresses itself in laughter, song, gratitude, large-heartedness, and generosity. Large-heartedness, I don't think is a word, but I love it. That's a good one. I, I, 
Oh, I don't know what happened. Where'd it go? I think this TV has a problem, Ruben. All the TVs have a problem. Well, I'm glad that we got that definition out of the way. So, we, so that, is, that is kind of our definition of joy as we move through. It's buoyant, it is delightful, and it is found in relationships. So how do we experience joy, right? How do we step into it? Well, since joy is relational, we experience joy through relational connection with God and with people. And so this idea of relational connection with God is important because it's not just the, the religious practices that we do, right, to stay on God's good side, right? It's not like our to-do list of, like, I read my three chapters of the Bible so I can get through the, the Bible in a year or whatever, or I did my 10 minutes of, of praying this morning, whatever it is. But relational connection is recognizing that God is actually a person that is alive that wants to spend time with us and that we can come into connection with him. Right? We can talk to him. We can listen to him. We can sit in silence with him and we can allow him to transform us. And I think it's important as we think about spending time with God to remember that he's not angry. Amber and I, uh, a couple weeks ago, we went and saw a, a Christmas carol at the New Vic Theater, which is this great little theater in, in Kalamazoo. And, right, and, and, and you have that Ebenezer Scrooge character, right? And he's just mean and he's nasty, right? And a lot of times people have this kind of picture of God that he's kind of like that. He's withholding, you know, every good thing. He's like, I'll just give you barely enough to, to get by, right? You really owe me, right? And he's this angry guy, but that's not who God is at all, right? And God isn't this, like, stoic, like, Spock from Star Trek, right? That he's just kind of mathematically making the, the universe go round and making the sun rise and like we don't get to be close to him. Right? He's not stoic. He's not angry. He's actually joyful. He's joyful. Look at this passage from Nehemiah. Oops. Chapter 8, verse 10. Uh, so Nehemiah says to these people who have returned from exile, they're, they're back in the, in the promised land, and he says, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And I always thought of the, the joy referred to here as the, the joy which God gives, right? And that is true. God does give joy. But I think it's not quite enough. It doesn't say the whole thing, right? This is also the, the joy that God possesses and the joy that God experiences. And God gives us joy because he is joyful, And Jimmy mentioned something in the, the message last week. He quoted A.W. Tozer, and Tozer said that what you think about God is the most important thing about you. 
And if we think God is angry like Ebenezer Scrooge, we don't want to go anywhere near him. Like, it's better just to enjoy your little turkey at home and let him do his thing, right? Uh, and if we think that, that God is, is stoic like, like Spock and is unrelational and doesn't really care about us, like, what's, why would we want to draw close to that? But if God is actually joyful, if God is actually loving, and if God actually sent Jesus to be to himself become incarnate to draw people into close relationship with him and set us free from our garbage when we were shaking our fist in anger at him, man, why would we not want to draw close to him? Right? And, and just like I used to have a little space heater in, in my room where I, I would read because upstairs is a little bit colder and I would sit there and, and I would read and I would sit next to the, the, the little space heater, right? Because as you got close to the space heater, you couldn't help but get warm, right? And if God is joy and he is a generator of joy and he is experiencing joy and he is giving joy, when we draw close to him, we can't help but to receive that joy. But I think it's important that we recognize this joy and we align ourselves with it and we receive it. Um, so God is joyful, Psalm 1611, the psalmist says, you make known to me the path of life. God wants to show us how to live life to the full. And in your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. God is not just, he doesn't have just some joy, but he is fullness of joy. Joy overflowing maximum joy, right? The pinnacle of joy is found in the presence of God. What I think is interesting is that as we see God as described by the, the psalmist is full of joy, joy overflowing. In Jesus, uh, his, in his words, in the Gospel of John, Chapter 15, 11, he says, These things I've spoken to you so that your joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Right? Jesus, the exact representation of the Father, he contains fullness of joy. And he came and he said these things so that your joy may be full. So what are the things that Jesus said? Well, we just have to turn... Ten chapter, ten chapters, ten verses before this. So I didn't put this on the screen, but you can turn with me to John chapter 15. Do, do, do. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are, all, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, I am the vine you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, 
You are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, in my words, remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in his love. I have told you this so that your joy, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So in those 11 verses, the, the, the author of this scripture, John, used the word remain 11 times. See, in, in Greek, they didn't have, uh, they didn't underline things, they didn't you know, click control B to bold it, right? They didn't have italics. So if they wanted to emphasize something, they would just repeat it. And John repeats, remain in me 11 times, right? It's this relational connection to draw close to me, listen to me, do life with me. And if you do, if you remain in me, guess what? Your joy will be made full. So we experience and we cultivate joy by staying close and staying in relationship with Jesus Christ. And as we've already stated, we also experience joy through connection with people. Paul says this in the, the letter to the, the Philippians, which often is called the, the letter of joy. He says here, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And so the Philippian church had sent an, a love offering to Paul as he is in prison. They've supported him. In that connection, that care, that love that they showed him brought him joy. Right? He rejoiced in that relationship. So what do we do with all this? What do we do? Well, we've learned today, hopefully, that joy is relational. That's the big idea. Right? I don't want to cloud that too much. I don't like people going home going, what are what he was talking about today? Joy is relational, and it is found in relational experience with God and with people. And it is cultivated through spending time with people that love us, spending time with people that want to be with us. Joy is cultivated through spending time with God. We saw that joy is deeper, it is more durable than happiness. We saw that, that we serve a happy God. And as we draw close to Him, as we are filled with His joy, we are also bringers of joy to other people. We've all been around somebody who's joyful that just their presence in a room changes the atmosphere. Right? That is what we get to do. We get to bring joy with us because we have the joy generator living inside of us. And we saw that joy actually leads to healthier lives physically, mentally, and spiritually. 
But cultivating joy it is a practice, right? It doesn't just happen overnight. We don't just say a prayer and all of a sudden, hey, I'm joyful now, hooray, right? And so in response to this message on, on joy, how can you begin to cultivate joy in your own life? Pausing for you to think, right? So I'm just going to ask some questions. How can you build your relationship with Jesus? The, the Messiah, the good news, the bringer of great joy. What could you do this week right, to build that connection? What are the relationships in your life that bring you joy? Who is it that you know just likes to be with you and brings you joy when you're together? How can you find more time for that in your life? Are there practices in your life that keep you from relational joy? Maybe it's excessive busyness. Maybe it's just because of the, the stress and the difficulty of, of life, you're just burnt out, and so you just retreat emotionally or you retreat physically. What is it that keeps you from relational joy. What can you do this week to move closer to God and closer to these relationships? Maybe it's setting a play date, right? Set a play date, let your kids play and have coffee with somebody else. Right? Maybe instead of working through lunch, right, and just you know, eating your Hot Pocket at your desk or whatever, you guys eat Hot Pockets? <laughs> No, me neither. Uh, at, at your desk and just like, I've just got too much to do. Maybe instead of doing that, turn your phone off, turn your computer off, and sit down with somebody for an hour and look at them and have a conversation without your screen in front of you. Maybe you need to start your day off with a couple minutes of silence, just turning your attention to God and meditating how he's not mad, but he's full of joy. He's excited to be with you and to give you that joy. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but that is what we're going to run after over this next month in this series of, about uh, joy wins. And so we're just going to take a minute and just close and just invite the Holy Spirit just to show you what's a step that you could take this week to draw closer to relational joy with God and or relational joy with people. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your unfailing love. Lord, we thank you that you are a bringer of joy and that because of our hope in you, even though we walk through challenging times, Lord, we can hold on to hope and we can hold on to joy. And Lord, I pray that over this next week and over the next weeks through this series, that you would help us to to practice being people of joy. 
Lord, open our eyes to uh, ungodly beliefs, to, to lies that we believe that keep us at, at arm's length from joy. Show us the, the, the ways that we are grounding ourselves in anger and fear and sadness instead of choosing joy. Lord, I pray that you would just break us free, that you would set us free to, to live lives that look like your life, full of joy, and passing that joy on to others. Lord, we love you. We pray that you would just bless every person here. In your name, amen.